And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth, the Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate, and it's the Ag View Pitch! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ag View Pitch. And today, we want to have a conversation around the COVID-19 uh, release package that's out. There's been a ton of questions on that, and we've got Paul Nieper. Uh, Paul, go ahead and introduce yourself, and we'll kind of get a, uh, some conversation going here. Yeah, I'm, I'm Paul Nieper. I'm a principal of Clifton Larson Allen based in Washington State. Uh, a lot of people probably know me from uh, the column I do for Top Producer Magazine called Farm CPA or our blog, farmcpatoday.com. So uh, I, I think a lot of people already know who I am. Yeah, and you, you get all over the country all the time and do more speaking events than about anybody I know, so... Well, Although right yeah. now I'm not I'm I'm stuck in my little home office in Dayton, Washington for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. So Yeah, this is a this is a crazy uh time, crazy season for all of us for sure. Um, you know, I was telling you offline, Paul, we've been getting kind of a fair amount of questions just on, you know, with this most recent quote unquote phase three or whatever assistance package that's coming from the government. Um, and really a lot of questions just around agriculture specific because, you know, there's there's talk, you know, and you listen to the media, nobody really talks very much about the, you know, what implications are there here or what opportunities are there here that we can get a little relief on the farm side of things. So I kind of want to start out with the, the options. You know, there's a, a couple of things in there for the small business component. And I want to have you talk a little bit about how that relates to agriculture and the farm operations. And and so there's, you know, the, I know there's two options. You can have the payroll tax credit side of things. That's option one that you can um, possibly get some relief, have you explain that side of it. But then there's also the SBA loan, which is another option. And so um, why don't you start out and kind of, you know, if you want to talk about both of them together or kind of explain one of them and then the other one as to how that might tie into some of our farm operations that, that do have payroll. Yeah, I think what we'll do, let's, let's go through the um, payroll tax credit yet. There's a refundable, which we like that word. We like the word refundable because that means even if you don't owe that amount of tax, you get a payment from Uncle Sam for the, for the difference. So, Essentially, there's a payroll, refundable payroll tax credit equal to 50% of wages paid during this crisis. And when they're talking about the 50%, they're really talking about the employer's share of FICA is, is really what they're talking about. So for every quarter where there's some type of COVID-19 shutdown order, so if there's for even one day, so right now we're in the first quarter, we certainly have a shutdown order. I think Iowa's got a shutdown order. We have a shutdown order. Um, so you'd automatically qualify. If it goes into April 1, that quarter is also going to qualify. So you have two quarters of refundable payments based on the amount of payments you put, pay to your employees. Now, there's a limit of $10,000 per quarter um, per employee, and that includes health benefits that you pay for the eligible employees. So Let's say that uh, you paid, uh, you know, $20,000 of wages between quarter one and quarter two. Uh, that's going to be a refundable credit against your payroll taxes. Let's say your payroll taxes are 18000 
that means the extra 2000 is refundable to you. So that's a pretty good deal. Plus, there's also a deferment, a delay of paying those payroll taxes. You only have to, uh, for all of 2021, or excuse me, all of 2020, half of the payroll taxes are owed on December 31 of 2021, and the other half is owed on December 31 of 2022. Um, now, that's the payroll tax credit, but if you elect to do the SBA loan, you're not allowed to do the payroll tax credit. So you have to take a look at and determine which is the better. So now let's jump over to the SBA loan. That one's a little quirky for ag because in order to qualify for it, you have to self-certify to the bank that you're directly affected by, you know, the COVID-19 um, crisis, so to speak. And right now in most states, almost across the country, uh, ag is considered to be an essential services. So like an out in our area, everybody's doing spring work right now. You know, nobody in ag is really shut down right now. So can you self-certify? Plus, the loan that you're eligible for is based on your average payroll for one month. So let's say you're a row crop farmer. You pay payroll of $100,000 during the year. You divide that by 12. That's about $8,000. Then you multiply it by two and a half times. So your loan amount that you would qualify for is roughly $20,000. Is it worth the hassle of going to your bank for a $20,000 loan? Whereas you could get the payroll tax credit, and that's sort of an automatic one. And I have a feeling you're probably going to end up getting more money back to see a refundable tax credit than you would on the SBA loan. Now, for our farmers out there that they are dairy farmers uh, in specialty crops like fruits, nuts, and so on that have a much higher payroll and are paying out quite a bit of payroll right now, likely in that case, perhaps the SBA loan is going to make more sense. But I think the key right now, you've got to talk to your banker about the SBA loan. You have to talk to your tax professional about the payroll tax credit. Then you're going to have to compare the two and make your decision what's going to be the easiest. Uh, remember, anytime you're dealing with getting a bank loan, although they're waiving a lot of the requirements, that anytime you're dealing with getting a bank loan, they require a lot of documentation, whereas the payroll tax credit is simply your tax professional, likely that's the person that helps you with payroll, just preparing that form. So those are that's sort of the... A thirty thousand foot view on on the payroll tax credit versus the um, SBA loan. Okay, uh, <clears throat> roll back to the payroll tax credit for a minute. Question there. So let's say that you're a producer who has employees that um, maybe you have some payroll, maybe you have some payment in kind or whatever uh, crop share, or maybe you have some contract labor. How does the contract labor portion of that fit in? I mean, can you is there a way to show that as labor? Because that's really a labor payment. It just doesn't go through payroll. So is that does that qualify that, as a, that apple? That, that likely is not going to qualify, although there is some provisions and a lot of this like I, I typically use the term we have a law and now we need the rules. Right now we have the law and we have no rules. So, <laughs> right. so all this is going to be determined later on. Um, 
fairly soon. I think the IRS will come out with some uh, rulings here in the next couple of weeks. They're going to need to, under current law, contract labor would not count. Payment and kind wages likely would count. Um, that, you know, the IRS may come out and say that that doesn't qualify because it doesn't uh, incur payroll taxes. So I'm not going to guarantee the payment and time wages are going to qualify for any payroll tax relief because they don't generate payroll taxes. So that's something that if farmers purely do payment and time, they're going to need to wait for uh, the rules from the IRS to determine whether that qualifies or not. Okay, let me ask you, what for the typical producer that's listening to this then, what's the process on the payroll tax credit option look like if if they call their their tax person and say, okay, I want to try, I want to try to implement this in our operation. What's the process look like? Likely, what's going to happen is that when you do your um, uh, wage calculation and your payroll taxes come, let's say your payroll tax for FICA and Medicare shows that you owe ten thousand um, bucks, you're likely not going to pay any of that. And then when you file your 943 is in the year, because that's the other issue. Most other taxpayers file 941s quarterly. They're going to get relief much quicker than a farmer does because a farmer files a 943 at the end of the year. Now, there may be some type of process where the IRS allows you to get a quicker tax refund. That could happen where it's an advanced type payment against your 943. Um, that, that might happen. So what's going to happen is when you pay your payroll taxes, let's say your normal amount you're supposed to pay in is 10000 for those types of taxes, you might pay in zero now because, A, this has all been deferred, and, B, there may be some type of relief where you actually get money from Uncle Sam sooner. Again, Chris, we need to have the rules. We don't know it for sure yet. Yeah. And but taxpayers right now should not be paying any um they shouldn't be, well, we got to be a little careful because you're still, uh, we're only talking the employer share of FICA and Med or, uh, Social Security tax. So um, all the other, the employee share, they still need to pay that in. Um, uh, the withholding taxes, they need to pay that in. So, so, again, we need to have the rules here before we go too far down the road. So how long before we have the rules because we're going to have payroll due here for the majority of the farm operations again here in the middle of of the week. And so when you look at, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, the 1st of April, let's say, for example, is is payroll. What do you do not not uh, apply anything in this month or do you or do you? I I. Yeah, I think the IRS is going to shoot out some um, uh, quick, quick guidance next week. I would guess. Okay. Okay. Um, so maybe. maybe also, we'll... right in the right in the uh, tax law or the bill itself, it specifically states that the IRS shall not assess penalties if the taxpayer can prove that hey, the reason we didn't pay it is because we didn't think we had to pay it because of this bill. Now I'm going to tell you, dealing with the IRS and trying to get those penalties abated can be a royal pain in the keister, so to speak. So, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I almost, you know, on this first payroll, I'd almost err on the side of paying in 
certainly you want to pay in all the employee stroke portions and you want to pay in all the federal income tax withheld. You don't don't ever skip that. We're only talking about the employer portion of FICA, which for a lot of farm operations right now can be a pretty small number. Right. Okay. And then um, is there any questions or anything else on the payroll credit side before I go back over the SBA loan? Is there anything no, else? I think, I think we've covered it. Um, again, I think for farmers, row crop farmers, I'm going to underline the word row crop. I think I'm leaning right now toward the payroll tax credit because I think it's going to give you more money. It's going to give you more relief than getting an SBA loan. Okay. <clears throat> Is it worth messing around for those farmers, which, you know, a lot of people listening to this maybe have one employee or maybe themselves and another family member or whatever, you know, is there a, a level that it's... Yeah, I, I think if, if you're not paying, if your payroll, cash payroll, cash wages that you're paying, if it's less than $50,000, you're not going to waste your time doing an SBA loan, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's, uh, let me just some quick math. Let's say it's 50000 uh divided by 12 times... 2.5, uh, you qualify for a $10,400 loan. If you got 50000 times 0.062, now it's $3,100 payroll tax credit that you might get. Um, so, yes, the SBA might be, might be, yeah, $56,000 better, could be, but you have to prove that you paid during between now and the end of the June that you've paid $10,000 in wages and some other costs, maybe you will do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, maybe it's 30000 something like that. Um, it, it's just hard to know. So a lot of it has to do with how much documentation one is willing to uh, work through on the SBA loan as opposed to having your tax person guide you through the payroll tax credit. You got to remember, you're getting ready to do spring planting. Uh, you know, right. It's more important qualifying for a five thousand dollar loan right now, or getting five thousand acres of corn and soybeans planted as fast as you can. Right. But on the it, other it, hand, to your point, you've got you know there's some dairy, some large dairy operations out here. There's a oh, lot of you know oh, yeah. operations that you know feedlot or uh, cattle operation and or um, some of these specialty crops or whatever, if you got, like I said, a fair amount of employees, that might be easier to do the SBA loan. Yeah. And plus, those dairies, they're employing those people constantly between now and June 30th, whereas somebody that might only have a part-time help that comes in during spring planting for two weeks, that payroll cost may not be very much. Right. So... Is there anything else on the SBA loan I haven't asked about before we go to another segment here? I think, um, you know, the SBA loan, it's supposed to be streamlined. We're supposed to get the money fairly quickly. uh, But, you know, that's going to be up to the bank to go ahead and and deal with it. Now, it is, quote, a loan, but it's actually, I think you and I talked offline a, a day or two ago, it's more of a grant. As long as you spend the money on labor, uh, including uh, such as health insurance costs, mortgage payments, rent payments, uh, those type of uh, type of payments, uh, you're going to qualify. But again, 
you have to be willing to self-certify that uh, COVID-19 has directly affected your operation. Uh, you know, drop in farmland, I mean, a drop in commodity prices, I'm not sure if that qualifies as being directly affected by COVID. Because um, there are certain farmers out there now that are being paid five times what they've earned before. You know, the potato farmers, the egg guys, they're actually getting a net benefit from COVID. But as we know, other farmers, such as cattle farmers, hog farmers, cotton farmers, um, you know, they're being penalized right now by COVID. But is that a direct result? I, I just don't know. <clears throat> That might be a follow-up for us to find out what, it, you know, and some of that stuff may or may not even, you know, be decided. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and actually, here, let me just sort of read the one little paragraph that describes this. And this is from the Senate. It requires eligible borrowers to make a good faith certification that the loan is necessary due to the uncertainty of current economic conditions like COVID-19. They will use the fund to retain workers and maintain payroll, lease, and utility payments and are not receiving duplicative funds for the same uses from another SBA program. So, you know, if that's what they have to self-certify, you know, you could say there's uncertainty of current economic conditions. You could certainly say that in the farm arena. So I, I guess almost anybody could probably qualify for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, you know, there's a lot of farm operations that we work with that are clients that have other businesses too. So can you qualify or can you, you know, submit, you know, if you have a, um, you know. A yeah, every, every, every business is going to sort of stand on their own. So let's say that you have a farmer. They also have a business. Let's say they have a bunch of restaurants or they have a coffee stands or they have a travel agency or whatever it might be. Each one of those businesses is going to qualify for an SBA loan. So uh, uh, as long as the total employees are less than 500, and even with a lot of the restaurants out there, they've set it up for each franchise location to some degree will qualify as a separate uh, entity, so to speak. So it's going to be pretty easy for any franchise operation like a McDonald's or a Dairy Queen or a Burger King, Taco Bell, whatever it might be, to qualify for these loans because they're the ones that really have been hit dramatically uh, almost other than maybe the airlines and the travel and the entertainment industry. They've probably been negatively impacted the most uh, by COVID. Now, farming we know has been impacted, but uh, – uh, but farmers are still able to, to do work and have revenue potentially coming in, whereas these type of businesses have no revenue coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking of other examples, like we've got an operation that has, you know, like car washes and stuff, and I know that's pretty low right now. You know, a lot yeah. of, there's just a lot of unique businesses out there that people don't think about that are directly impacted, that, you know, that that are farmers that have vested interests in some of these other businesses as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, you know, and also I'm thinking of like grain elevators, that kind of thing, you know, privately owned, family owned grain elevators, they would apply, right? They, they would apply. Um, they would certainly qualify. Now, typically their labor is, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's high compared to their revenue. They're certainly 
actually some of those grain elevators have more volume going through their location right now, not less volume, you know, with all the wheat, uh, if they're dealing with wheat, you know, wheat in uh, heavy demand right now. Um, but they would still qualify. And they right. probably would be looking at doing an SBA loan because that probably makes more sense. Right. Yeah. And so I think the message here, unless I'm hearing this wrong, then, Paul, is that, you know, it, it, you really got to look at your own specific situation and either have a conversation on the payroll tax credit with your tax provider, you know, your tax person, or have a conversation with your with your banker and probably a conversation with both just to make sure that you've done your due diligence and understand, you know, what options you have to mitigate some of the risk here moving forward. Right. And, and I think the key, too, is don't just look at the $2 amounts. You have to look at how does it affect your operation. Again, if you qualify for a $10,000 SBA loan and your payroll tax credit is only $3,000, yeah, the SBA makes a whole lot more sense. But if you're needing to get 5,000 acres of corn and soybeans planted right now, dealing with your banker may not be the highest priority. Right. Right. Okay. Um Anything else on those things? And I got one more segment I want to get to, and then and we can follow up on this as you know, and maybe do a short uh, conversation on this if there's any additional news or things that that are hard, you know, that that come out of this that are hard facts that we haven't discussed, I guess. Well, and I think uh, we also need to go over some of the income tax effects, but we can do that after you ask me your next question. Yeah. Well, and. Well, let's go there because um, what I have is some is kind of some other things that are in that bill. But go ahead, Paul, and touch on that. Well, certainly for all the farmers out there that their taxable income um, off of their either 2019 return if it's been filed or their 2018 return, if it's a single taxpayer, as long as their gross income is less than uh, $75,000, or if they're married less than $150,000, they're each going to qualify for a $1,200 payment. Uh, that payment, you know, they say it's going to be out in a couple of weeks, I'm guessing more like two months. The last time they tried to do a payment like this, it took the IRS two months to get uh, money out. And then if you have a child, a certain child, you'll get an extra $500. Now, a lot of people have already asked me, hey, I don't file a tax return because I'm retired and all I collect is Social Security. You're still going to qualify for the $1,200. The IRS will look at the Social Security records. You'll still get your money. However, if you're claimed, let's say you're a college student, and you're claimed on your parents' tax return, you're not going to get a $1,200 payment. Um, there's a provision related. If you need to take some money out of your 401K plan, out of your IRA, to help uh, cover living costs, the penalty is not going to apply up to the first $100,000 that you take out. Plus, you can pay that back over a three-year period and not have it be counted as a distribution, so that's a pretty good deal. Um, there is a token. I'm going to call it a token. If you do a cash contribution to a church or to a charity, you can deduct $300 of that even though you don't itemize. To me, that's, that's such a minor amount that I wouldn't even worry about it. Um, mm -hmm. On the farm side, there is a nice provision Let's say in 2020 or even in 2018 or 2019, you're going to have a large loss, and I'm probably looking more at 2020. Under the old rules, you could only carry that back two years, and you're limited to a maximum loss of $500,000. So 
this year or starting now, you can carry it back five years, and there's not going to be any limit on those losses. So let's say that you generate a $700,000 loss because you just have a bad year and you paid a bunch of tax back in 2015 or 2016, you can actually go back and get that money. So that, that will be good. The loss limit rules that they had, they're sort of suspending that for 20, uh, through 2020. I, I think for most of my farmers, that's affected some of them, but very few. Uh, there's some other provisions, but they're pretty esoteric. So those are the key ones. You're going to get your direct payment. Uh, NOLs are now five years, and they're unlimited, which is good, and, and you can carry it back five. Now, the problem is it gets a little messy because we already have some taxpayers that had to carry forward their NOLs from 18 and 19. Now can they carry that back, and how is the IRS going to allow some type of expedited relief on that? I just don't know what's going to happen there. Okay. Well, that's a big deal, though, you know, if, if a producer does show a loss this year because of the lower commodity prices and or whatever else we get to deal with yet this year, you can carry that forward for five years and work that that in. Well, actually, you can carry it back five years, Chris. You can oh, go carry it back. Twice. Okay, so not yeah. forward. Well, you can always carry – you have an unlimited carry forward, but now instead of waiting to get your money, you can carry it back and get your money a lot sooner. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Anything else that's in this uh, bill that is more directly correlated to agriculture that, that you see? That well, yeah, we know that, that they've set aside, and we and you and I were talking offline a little bit, to what, what is the final numbers? I, I've heard like approximately $9 billion for livestock and specialty crops. Uh, that would be your fruits, your nuts, uh, your uh, grapes. Um, and then livestock, they would include cattle this time. The MFP payment was only for hogs and dairy. This would certainly bring cattle in because they've been dramatically impacted by COVID, uh, at least temporarily they've been impacted. Um, and then also we know CCC, the Commodity Credit Corporation, has gotten an, gotten an additional, what, another $16 billion, which may bring them back up to about $30 billion. Uh, that will allow them to do some type of, it's not going to be called MFP because it has nothing to do with tariffs. Uh, it'll be some type of program. I'm, I'm guessing dollar amount, probably similar to last year's MFP, maybe even a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing too. I mean, as far as the MFP3 is probably a no-go as far as it being labeled that way, but but as far as, you know, dealing with uh dealing with this um and probably getting some kind of a compensation payment midsummer sounds pretty likely. Now we have to be a little careful because everybody's gonna assume okay I'm a corn and soybean guy, therefore I'm gonna get a bigger payment than I got last year. I think we have to be careful because this is gonna be across the board. You know, the hay guy that generates two thousand dollars per acre or a thousand dollars per acre in gross revenue and corn guy that generates six hundred dollars. You know, under last year's bill, the alfalfa guy might have got five dollars or ten dollars per acre and the corn guy got sixty or seventy dollars per acre. This year they might each get thirty dollars. So the alfalfa guy is going to be happy and the corn guy is not going to be happy. So we have to be careful if you're a corn and soybean grower, I would not assume that 
you're going to get a large payment like you did last year. You're going to get some type of payment, but I just don't know if it's going to be as large. Well, and wouldn't you say a lot of that has to do with with how things progress moving forward, too? I mean, a lot of people think that the uh, – that the commodity prices are impacted by the this COVID-19 stuff, and really there's a, a larger reason specifically behind corn is is the, the price of oil and the direct impact right. that we've had on the market on the ethanol side of things. And, and that's because you got Russia and Saudi Arabia, you know, trying to battle it out with each other. Now, right. did COVID drop the demand a little bit? Yes, it did, but it's also, you know, Saudis and Russia are just trying to see who's the biggest dog on the block, so to speak. Right, and we may be better off rather than than collecting that that pseudo-MFP payment or whatever it's going to end up being called to, you know, you look at this phase four, phase five, phase, you know, whatever else the government deems necessary moving forward, not that we have an endless amount of money that can be spent, but you know when you look at the ethanol issue, you know the the corn growers may and probably are working that one pretty hard right now on the ethanol side of things. I would think. Yeah, they're but, already discussing doing an ethanol stockpile. You know, same as our oil stockpile. So right. Uh, you know the demand crunch right now is what about a annual run rate of about a billion bushels of corn is not going into ethanol, whereas if they, the government says, okay, we'll buy, you know, a couple billion gallons of, of ethanol to store, because it stores long-term, I think, fairly well, um, you know, that, that would prop up demand, and, and it wouldn't be a direct payment, so that, that might be worth it. Right, right, so, but, you know, Sunny Purdue's got $30 billion there in this first, you know, now at the end of phase three. And so I guess my point is, is and you know, like I said, you don't want to count on anything, but um, the odds probably look pretty strong that they're going to have to do some things and it's probably going to be more tied towards the ethanol side and the industry side. But hopefully that that uh, is a benefit to to the operations, the farm operations as well. Exactly. <laughs> Anything else I haven't asked? I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff here, um, and I think we need to probably follow up and we can do a shorter conversation later if there's some, some cleanup or some questions. If anybody wants to reach out to us and give us questions, if somebody wants to email you or send you a question, Paul, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you know, there's, there's two ways. They could actually uh, either call or text me on my cell phone, 509 961 nine seven three nine. I don't mind, you know, getting a text or a call. Or my uh email is Paul dot Neeper, so N E I F F is in Frank E R at C L A Connect dot com. So C L A C O N N E C T dot com. Um or they can check out the blog. I'll be uh doing a fair amount of posting on the blog I think over the next week or two on this subject. So uh those are some of the easiest ways to get a hold of me. That sounds good. Again, uh, really appreciate your time and your expertise on this. I know you you study this stuff. Um, we're recording this at, what, 5 a.m. your time or something like that. You were texting me before 7 a.m., and and you're two hours ahead of me. So yeah, you're, yeah, you're I've been, I've been at, yeah, I've been at work since 4, so I've been up <laughs> since 3. So uh, that's yeah. pretty typical this time of year for me. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we really appreciate all your efforts and all the things you do to benefit agriculture. You're a definite uh, benefit to agriculture as a whole with with the work you do, and we really we all really appreciate it, Paul. Thanks. Well, thank you very much, and I enjoy it. it's sort of my passion. I think I think that hopefully that comes through. Yeah, it definitely does, and and we appreciate that. Thanks, Paul, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. And like we said, we'll be back with some more information on this. And if you have questions, please reach out. And again, thanks everybody for listening. We will catch you next time on the AgView Pitch. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the AgView Pitch. As always, you can reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com or Dwayne L at netends.net. We'll catch you next time on the AgView Pitch.